thanks for being with us again this week. I am Jamie Birhing with Sinclair Broadcasting. We are joined today by retired Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent in Charge, Adi Jimenez. And Adi, I, I want to ask you right away, uh, the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, just announced on Tuesday a declaration of invasion. You hear the term invasion, and that's exactly what this is. These people uh, are not invaders. They are not invading the United States. They're not threatening the sovereignty of our country, as you would think uh, when you hear the word invasion. Explain to those people who don't know what this is, what does that mean to you? Yes, uh, Yami. Uh, so this is a very interesting uh, turn of events, right? Uh, until now, uh, Governor Abbott has been calls the, the situation at the border, everything but an invasion. Um, what has happened in the last six months, uh, six to eight months, we have seen about 30 to 35 Texas counties declaring uh, an emergency situation. Uh, it's, 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 it's very similar to a disaster uh, situation where the local governments, in this case, the, the county governments, reach out to the state of Texas requesting more resources and, and, and more support in order to uh, work whatever the emergency or the situation they're facing. Um, most of these counties are, are you know, close to the border and that's how Governor Abbott and, and, and has been and the Texas government have been supporting the counties until now. Now, what has happened is, and this is something that has been on the making for quite some time, uh, there being a couple of uh, discussions about it, is that the governor of Texas has uh, gone to the Texas Constitution and, in, and, and invoked the invasion clause. Um, by invoking this clause, what is done is that gives the, the state uh, law enforcement uh, additional powers to confront this invasion force. Now, again, this is what the Constitution says. When we're looking at what this was intended for, uh, we're looking, we're thinking, you know, this is intended for military type force invading the, uh, the, 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 the state where the federal government has failed to stop that invasion, so allows the state government to invoke this clause. The, the is very specific. Uh, Governor Abbott uh, sent out some uh, a press event, uh, a press note, and, and and some tweets talking about what are, what it's going to entail. You know, building a border wall, sending DPS troopers out the border, which they're already there, deploying National Guard to the border, they're already there, uh, deploying gunboats to secure the border, they're already there. Um, the only big significant things that we see is the designation of Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. Um, and then the part that we are waiting to see that we don't have a clear indication because nobody has talked about it is the actual implementation of this invasion clause. If, if the intention is to detain every single individual, right, that is that is caught crossing the border 
my translation in my federal mind is so the state law enforcement is going to be at the border like in the river with the boats and they can physically see that the people are crossing because once those individuals are in the texas side of the house or the border i don't know how the texas law enforcement is going to be able to define or assess alienage and immigration status of the people that they're detaining that's my first question second question is do to Texas have an extradition agreement with any country, which I seriously doubt. And then how, if any coordination have been made with the portal of entries, if the intention is to take the people that some way, shape or form, the Texas government decided that they're aliens to the United States and they're out of status, and they're gonna go ahead and deport them, and if they're gonna drop them off of the portal of entry, that's gonna require some type of coordination with the federal government because the ports of entry belongs then to Customs and Border Protection. So the question is going to be like, what's, how is it going to happen? What that means? How is it going to be implemented? Because there's some, some border uh, mechanisms that are utilized um, when a, any, any and all extraditions are done from the U.S. into Mexico because you cannot just push people out you have to coordinate with immigration in Mexico and you have to coordinate with the local governments in Mexico because you are dumping a number of individuals in their communities that, again, nobody has vetted them, so we don't know who's who. The same rights that we have to know who's coming into the country and the same rights that we have to, to ensure that no criminals are coming into the country, well, then, you know, if we're gonna push them into Mexico, how are we defining the direction of Mexican nationals, that they're not third country nationals from a non-contiguous border country? How is that coordination happening? Is, is, is that conversation happening with Mexico? Is that conversation happening with Customs and Border Protection? So it's interesting times. Uh, right now, I just see this as a uh, photo op until we have more details on how it's going to be implemented. All right. And I have spoken to some of my sources within DPS who are basically saying this is what has already been done. It's just making more noise to bring more awareness to what is going on out here. They really didn't see it as anything new. But when you look at what the governor put out there on social media today, he was also talking about several things they were going to do, that they were going to put boats on the river, that they were going to send more DPS that they were going to provide resources to counties. So doing the investigative stories that I've done, one of the major issues, all of the nine counties that are between Maverick, uh, Maverick County, Del Rio, which is Valverde, Zavala, Uvalde, Real, Kenny County, the major problem they are having with all of this right now was one of the major failures at the shooting at Robb Elementary, which is the radio system. The radio system's being pushed to the brink. It already needed to be reconstructed again. But now we're adding national, you know, the National Guard, and we're adding onto that more DPS troops. So a lot of these sheriffs that I've talked to within the last couple of minutes are telling me, does this mean they're gonna fix our radio system? What do resources mean? And, and again, it, it's not clear. Uh, all we have seen is the same thing, right? The tweet, 
the uh, the press note. Um, we're going to have to wait until they actually uh, implement this plan and see how these questions are going to be answered. If those resources are going to be there to get more coverage to fix the aging uh, repeaters uh, and the aging radio systems, uh, uh, they're going to install some kind of centralized uh, dispatch of operations. So more questions than answers, but uh, <laughs> yes. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see on that. Okay. So bringing into the conversation today, we're going to bring in a retired FBI agent, Abel Peña. Abel, how are you? Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Yami. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So the reason we're bringing you along on this nice little chat today is because with the changes that are going on and the changes that have happened within the last couple of weeks, people coming to the border and being allowed in under the asylum laws is not happening the same way. So that leaves even more people that are gonna decide to go under the radar to cross illegally into the country. And when we're talking about illegally, that means hiring the coyotes. And many times they end up in the back of the tractor trailers, dead like we saw recently. And by the way, it wasn't 53 dead, I just found out that it was 54 because the head of Catholic Charities went out there, I think it was a couple of weeks later, and found another body in the brush from that tragedy. So we see the people in the back of the tractor trailer, but we also see them in the stash houses. And Abel, you've been doing some work with stash houses. What have you seen lately? So I have uh, I had a nonprofit called Project of Santos, and uh, we primarily investigate missing persons cases. But uh, more recently, we've been involved in uh, human trafficking cases. Uh, and what we've discovered, uh, we've interviewed numerous um, immigrants coming through the border, as well as uh, those inside the border. We've had uh, some people on the inside. And we've learned that there's obviously everybody knows coyotes exist uh, within our within our borders inside Mexico, but uh, we've discovered a number of uh, coyotes that uh, are here in the United States that are um, involved in trafficking um, uh, women, uh, young men, uh, even children uh, to stash houses. And we've discovered a few stash houses uh, even here in San Antonio. Uh, we've got uh, the adequate um, you know investigation going on. Uh, coordinating with uh, local and, and federal authorities. Um, and so we're looking at some of these stash houses. Uh, we've got some proactive measures in place, um, but the primary thing that we're looking at and we're talking to uh, these immigrants out there is that they are uh, being contacted through uh, friends, uh, relatives, and um, they are uh, put in touch with people here uh, on this side of the border. Uh, these folks are picking them up uh, and with the, at least the intention, the thought that these immigrants have is that they're being picked up by good people and transporting them to their families to reunite them. And that's, that's not the case. What they're doing is they're picking them up and transporting them to, to stash houses throughout the state. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we have identified uh, three, stash houses, three stash houses here in San Antonio, um, and we're watching them very carefully. They're taking them there. Uh, they're holding them at gunpoint and uh, demanding uh, money from family members. They're um, taking their phones away and essentially calling the uh, number, the contacts that they have on their phone to try to extort money 
uh, from various uh, contacts on their phone list, their family members. Uh, and in some cases, you know, they're, um, you know, they're making a lot of money. And if they don't, you know, if they eventually uh, don't get paid, um, they're, the immigrants are told that uh, they're going to be killed uh, or uh, they're going to be transported to uh, another trafficker where they hold them again and try and extort the, the family members for money. Uh, so that's what we're looking at right now. Uh, we've we've uh, coordinated with, um, like, as I mentioned, state and federal officials, and we're trying to, um, you know, push this out. I'm aware, um, as I'm sure Audie's aware that, I mean, that th this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's just a number of these stash houses around. We've been um, able to, as I mentioned, identify at least three uh, in the area. Uh, and we're going to keep going until we uh, finally, um, hopefully, either curtail some of this or put an end to all of this stuff. Adi, your former agency, Homeland Security Investigations, this is part of what they, they do. But I mean, of late, I've heard a lot of the resources. There is not enough resources right now. What are you hearing? Yes, Yami, and, and, and I'm with Abel, uh, Abel. And, and Abel says something that it is heartbreaking and we saw it every day um, at the border. Uh, we see people being extorted more money. We saw groups uh, sexually assaulting and exploiting uh, young males and young females. Um, the conditions in this stash houses are, you know, are bare, disorderly. Um, sometimes the bathroom doesn't even work and you have 50, 60, 100 undocumented individuals inside with just some blankets on the floor, no beds, no privacy, no food at gunpoint. Um, so to continue describing first the stash house conditions because unfortunately family members that they seem to helping the loved ones by sending money and paying the cartels and paying the coyotes to, to help their loved ones cross the border illegally. They think they're helping them. And in reality, what they're doing is putting them in danger. Um, these individuals have no, they don't care for human life. We have instances where uh, individuals are being uh, tortured. We open a house, a stash house in, in, in the valley where the, one of the individuals that were, they were with a hammer, they were just, just hammering his, his knuckles, his fingers, uh, because they were trying to extort money. Um, it, it is it is really really heartbreaking um now you asked a question about resources when i was with the agency uh this was a daily occurrence uh we're working with customs and border protection uh at the borders uh the, at the ports of entries and, and abel mentioned about san antonio um, everybody knows their stash houses at the border where they hold the groups until they're ready to move them and they move them from one stash house to another. But a lot of people are, are not aware that these stash houses are all over San Antonio. Uh, one of the last cases that we, that we did when I was still with the agency uh, in 2016, the stash house was in a nice residential uh, neighborhood in the northeast uh, area in San Antonio. So, so this is not a stash houses in, in bad places or trailer parks or, oh, you know, it's gonna be this 
these these areas are you know not uh, patrol but police. They're everywhere. They're everywhere here in San Antonio. The problem is that during the last two years, Homeland Security Investigations that falls under Immigration and Consulates Enforcement, part of the Department of Homeland Security, have not been allowed to conduct long-term complex human smuggling, human trafficking investigations that are the ones that will give you the intelligence, the data, where these stash houses are. Uh, Abel and his group have been able to uh, identify some stash houses, and that is wonderful. And he's working with state and locals and federal. And but the bulk of this job is supposed to be done by federal agencies, like Homeland Security Investigations, and they have not been allowed to conduct this investigation. These investigations take time; they cost money. It requires surveillance. It requires other investigative techniques and they're not being allowed to do that and what has resulted on is because they're not being investigated and the criminal entities do not see law enforcement actively going after them it has emboldened them and they've been doing it more and more abrasive uh, and more open and this is the why we have this this individuals offering express way to get to San Antonio, for example, in the in a air conditioned vehicle, uh, uh, a special service when end up to be the back of a tractor trailer with no means of escape and and no no ability to breathe. And this is why we have uh, in the last few years we have had so many of these cases. Notwithstanding that, we have weekly at least three incidents of tractor trailers full of individuals in the back of, of, of the boxes, stop at the border patrol checkpoints uh, close to the border. With that said, with that said, and, and we all know this, I mean, those of us that work with law enforcement, those of us that know about the things that are going on at the border, we know the changes that have been going on. You know, they the amount of people coming in, the cartels being involved in the trafficking of people now, not only drugs, again, has grown. All of these things said, where do you guys think the solution lies? I mean, Abel, you work with the FBI. You know the parameters that all of you work under, and you still also have to work under the president of the United States, which may have their own ideas of how they want things done. How much is that affecting? the growth that we're seeing in the stash houses and the number of people that are coming across illegally because of the changes in policy. Well, I'll answer part of that. And Adi, I'll agree with you because the conversations that I've had with uh, some of the federal officials have been just that, that their, um, their lack of resources um, and I guess current policy uh, has kind of stifled them a bit and they have not been able to go out and conduct those types of investigations um, where it takes all those resources like surveillance, um, you know, setting up technical equipment, for example, and, and assessing all that. And that takes time and, and money and effort um, and a lot of resources. Um, we've been, um, what we have been doing well with our team has just been out there. We've, we're collecting the evidence uh, and we've interviewed a number of um, 
immigrants. We've uh, talked to one in particular who escaped from a stash house and and learned of his story, uh, and and learned you know a lot of these folks they're um, you know they're coming here for a better life. They want uh, they want to experience the American dream. Uh, they want to work. They want to be um, members of society, get a job, um, and and produce and do what they can. And unfortunately, um, you know, they sometimes find other ways to get over here um, that are not uh, legal, and then they're exploited by uh, people that are they're already here, um, and they're take, being taken advantage of. Um, and from what it sounds like, I mean, there are, you know, from the folks I spoke to uh, with Homeland Security, um, that there are just a number of these stash houses, not, as I mentioned, not just around San Antonio, but around the state that, you know, can't even be looked at just because of the lack of resources uh, within their departments. And it's who's going to prosecute it. And of course, local and state have their hands uh, uh, tied and probably will continue to have their hands tied based on uh, what, what Abbott's uh, declared here. And, and so the resources are pretty, uh, they're pretty, they're spread pretty thin. Um, and our group is just, we're just here to uh, bring attention and pass on to uh, those federal agencies, state agencies that are willing to prosecute uh, those, the bad guys, which are not the migrants necessarily, but the people that are breaking the law and holding them at gunpoint and extorting them, kidnapping them and making demands for, for money, and in some cases, uh, killing them. So How do you feel about the that declaration that Governor Abbott did, where he says that they're going to classify the cartels as terrorist groups? I mean, this has come up several times and it has not been done. I know that I've gotten into an argument, actually, with the former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox, who was not very happy when I said you know, how can you tell the United States what to do, but you can't handle what's going on in your own country? What do you guys think about that? Well, I'll tell you how I feel. I think that uh, it, it's important to, um, I guess, declare the problem, you know, where it exists. And if you look at the, the cartel activity, uh, organized crime, even here on this, this side of the border with Mexican mafia, uh, I think controlling a lot of that. And I think that needs to be addressed. I think they need to take a hard look at what the cartels are doing on on um, the side of the border, and and look at how they are um, really exploiting this this whole measure, this this whole immigration crisis. They're they're actively involved um, again on on the other side of the border as well as this side of the border. They've uh, got networks on this side. And it, it's just there, it's a multi billion dollar industry for them right now. Um, in addition to the drugs that they're bringing over, I mean, they're, you know, they're, it, 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 you know, bringing people and trafficking people. And it's just a multi billion dollar business for them. Adi, what do you think about that? Declaring them terrorist groups? I mean, we, we've been talking about doing this for years. Well, and, and, and again, I have to uh, echo what Abel said. Um, we, this is a challenge that we have because we have moved the resources. We have tied the hands of Customs and Border Protection, the Border Patrol, in between the ports of entries. We have tied down the, the hands of the 
Customs and Border Protection the Customs Inspectors at the ports of entries. We have taken away the authorities for the Immigration Customs Enforcement removal operations for inland in the United States. And we have basically uh, taken all the powers and the authorities from the Homeland Security Investigations to actually conduct the long-term complex criminal investigations like Abel is talking about with the cartels controlling these routes, but not only of the immigration. What they're doing is they're taking advantage of the immigrants because what they're doing is they're, they're storing the money, they're treating them like cargo. They see, they're the first ones that are uh, announcing and, and marketing, saying if you make it into the United States, they will leave you there. So people believe that and pay them. And then what they do is they throw them into a stash house, some of them in days without eating, days without water, uh, you know, in, 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 in some really conditions that are terrible. Once you go into a stash house, you will never forget what you saw or what you smell and, and, and how you felt inside. And at the same time, these cartels, while they're keeping the hands of law enforcement tight, processing immigrants, which, like Abel said, 98, 96, 98% of those immigrants looking for the American dream to make a better life in the U.S. Yes, we have the 2 or 3% that are criminals. Those are the ones that if the government allows to do the job correctly, we clean them out. We clean them out. Law enforcement will clean them out. However, by tying their, 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 their hands and, and enforcing the administrative fiasco that now all these federal law enforcement agencies have to, to do processing all these individuals showing up and requesting asylum, this allowing these cartels to then pass all kinds of drugs, especially fentanyl, which is killing more people in the United States than any other drug, and is, is just completely you know, increasing. They're, they're moving weapons and money south. We're moving, they're moving drugs north. And law enforcement is overwhelmed. And who, who's actually suffering here is the community. It's the community because the people that are not better, the bad people that are coming through the roads moving north, they don't stay at the border. They're staying in San Antonio. They stay in Dallas. They stay in Houston. Because they're gonna they're gonna do what they do best, right? Get into the movement of drugs, get into the movement of of money and weapons, and that's the problem we have. So it's a compound problem. If 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 Texas wants to declare them terrorist organization, absolutely more power to Texas. But again, law enforcement. It doesn't matter what type of law enforcement. If you're doing community policing or you're doing drug enforcement, or you're doing uh, illegal immigration, or you're doing illegal weapons, or you, it doesn't matter what type of enforcement you're doing. You cannot do it alone. This is a team sport. Law enforcement is a team sport. You need state, local, tribal, and federal law enforcement working at unison and in cooperation to be able to stop the criminal activity. So when you're talking about, you know, the, the combined effort between everyone, Abel, are you seeing people helping you that live in the areas where these stash houses are? 
I'll tell you what we've seen. Uh, we've seen concerned citizens, uh, other nonprofits, uh, churches uh, that bring us uh, these immigrants, uh, the victim immigrants uh, that have escaped or have found a way to get away. Uh, we've talked to them. Uh, so they're, they're bringing these people to us. Uh, they've expressed other concerns um, about uh, the, the treatment. Uh, and if you kind of look at it from a, of a human standpoint, and, and again, I've, you know, over the last, I guess, several, I guess maybe several months since I've been working this, my perspective has changed a little bit in that, um, you know, these folks, again, are, are coming over here for a better life. And the majority of folks I've spoken to, um, I, I was on the plane to Arizona just a few weeks ago, uh, talking to a Cuban immigrant, and he was uh, from, heading from San Antonio to Arizona. And he was so grateful to be over here, and he was uh, going to meet his brother in Arizona. And they have a business, so they're starting a business. They're entrepreneurs. They want to they just, you know, uh, live, you know, just live the American dream. And those are the majority of people that I talk to now. Is already said, yes, there's there's some really bad elements coming through. And even if it's just 2%, that's, that's a lot of people and that's a lot of crime that's gonna take place. And you know, we have to, I think it's important Texas and other border states you know, take a firm stand and, and declare you know, uh, these organizations, uh, these, traf these trafficking organizations, this, these um, money laundering and, and drug trafficking organizations uh, as as what they are and they're terrorist organizations and they should be treated as such. Um, that's, I feel very passionately about that uh, because ultimately the the price uh, is that the people trying to come over here are, are, are paying the price. And in the cases of being exploited, uh, being held hostage, and, and like I mentioned, some cases killed, um, they're paying the ultimate price. And, you know, th this is something we have to take care of. Abel, also, before we let you go, I do want to give you the opportunity now for Project Absentis. You guys look for missing people. This is part of, you know, also the stash houses, people that cannot be found. But you also help find missing children. If someone's interested in donating to your nonprofit or getting a hold of you on a case, how do they get a hold of you? Sure, they can. Um, first, they can email us if they have a question at info at projectabsentis.org. Uh, they can go to our website, www.projectabsentis.org. Um, certainly, you can give me a phone call, area code 210-954-1476. I'm available all the time. If you've got any questions, uh, we're helping a number of people, uh, not just missing children, uh, missing adults, uh, and you know we're we're hoping to make a difference, and that's that's what we're we're doing this for. I've got a great team of retired, uh, not just FBI agents, but other uh, personnel. Um, I've got uh, Homeland Security, a Border Patrol. I've even got a case officer from the state agents, uh, the the Department of State, uh, who's been helping us, and uh, a whole host of other uh, analysts that that help us out. And you know, while we're um, we're small. Uh, we're, everybody's got the passion, um, as we once did when we were uh, working full-time, as Adi did, and as he probably knows, I mean, we, we, we just have it in our blood uh, to uh, continue to serve people and be there for people. That's, that's what we were hired to do. 
uh, and that's what we, uh, you know, that's our, our purpose and our, our mission is to, to be there to help people. Thank and you. with that said, also, you two are actually uh, just starting to, to work together with Tony Hubbard, also, who's retired DEA, trying to help out the families and the school system and just law enforcement in general over in Uvalde after the Abbott Elementary shooting in Adi. You also do training now, correct? Active shooter training and what else? Yes, so we, we, we are conducting uh, active shooter incident management training, active shooter training with tactics and entries. Um, and, and Abel and, and, and Tony um, are helping us. Uh, we, we are serving as a, as a liaison between the families of the victims and the school district in Uvalde. Um, and also we, we're looking at extending that with the community in total in, in Uvalde and, and the city of Uvalde. Um, we're hoping that this, this effort to, to provide some guidelines and support on school safety, it, it doesn't stop there. Like Abel said, we, we're public servants. We, we, we dedicated our lives to, 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 to service our communities. And um, we, if we don't stop, just because we retire from active duty, we continue uh, with that passion to serve, and hopefully we can adopt some, some you know, provide some tools and, uh, and adopt some policies that will avoid uh, another tragedy like the one that happened in Robin Elementary, uh, not only Uvalde but in all Texas, and hopefully in all United States. Friends, that's all for now. Thank you for joining us again this week for Immigration Crisis, The Fight for the Southern Border. For now, I'm Jamie Virgen with Sinclair Broadcasting in Texas. Until next time.